Welcome to Practical Christian Living. Sometimes I'm afraid to ask God to do it because God might go to extremes to make it happen in my life. And, and what I want when I pray is, Lord, can you make these changes in me? And could you do it an easy way? Could you do it a way that isn't really disruptive, you know? Because the Bible says that suffering God's in our life produces endurance. God's Word works endurance. inside of us in amazing ways when we take time to sit quietly at His feet, listen, and learn. Today on Practical Christian Living, we are realizing just how powerful God's transforming Word is and how very important it is for us to take time to sit and take in God's Word. It is how we arm ourselves spiritually to be victorious over our enemy. With more from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, here's Robert Furrow. The Son is like a book. He's the Word of God. And so the Bible says that the Word became flesh in verse 14 of chapter 1 in John. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. That is, if we, if we want to know what makes the Ancient of Days upset, we look at the Son. We want to know what the Ancient of Days is pleased with, we look at the Son. So we want to know the essence of God, we look at Jesus. And we have four Gospels that cover some of His life and almost all of His ministry so that we can get a picture of what God is like. That is who He is. And it comes to us as she was sitting before the Word. And when we study the Word, we learn more and more about what God is really like. Psalms 1 tells us that the Word of God can get into our lives. In Psalms 1-2, it says that the man who is happier, the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted in the rivers of water, bring forth fruits in its season, whose leaves also will not wither, and whatever he does prospers. God's Word, and here it was referred to in the Old Testament as the law, God's Word is so powerful that when we meditate on it day and night, we become like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Those are not easy trees to remove. The ones that are in the middle field, the small scrawny ones are easy to remove. But our roots go down deep when we meditate on God's Word. What does it mean to meditate on it day and night? It means to have God's Word on your mind. It means when you wake up in the middle of the night that you would think about things. If you wake up and you can't go back to sleep, then go back to passages that you have memorized. When I wake up and I've got something on my mind, it's got to happen to everybody in this room, right? And you can't go back to sleep. You know the one that hits me? I think it's Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing but everything with prayer and supplication, let requests be made known to God. I'll, I'll go over that. I'll take each part of it and I'll break it down and I'll pray, meditating on God's Word during the daytime and during the nighttime and we'll become like a tree. And the end of this says, and whatever we do will prosper. Whatever we put our hands to will be successful and whatever we do will prosper. And of course, we're talking about real prospering, right? We're not talking about getting rich, although for some of you, God might have that in mind. We're not talking about always being successful in every endeavor. We're talking about prospering as God really wants us to prosper. And that comes from His Word. There's another passage that is very much like it. It's in Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. It says this, 
only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law of Moses, my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Again, the idea of prospering from God's word. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, same as Psalms 1, that you may observe to do all that is written in it, that you might, might do everything that's in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will be given good success. There's a couple of differences between this and Psalms 1 as well. This one starts off saying, be strong and courageous. Be bold about keeping the word of God. It takes some strength to say, I am going to keep God's word. It takes determination and it takes commitment. It takes saying, I will be bold, I will be strong, and I will be courageous, and I will do everything that is written in the scriptures. That's the difference between Psalms 1. Psalms 1 says, meditate on these things and this will happen. Here in Joshua 1, it says, be very careful to do all that is written in the law and then you will be prosperous. We don't want to be like that New Testament man that looks in a mirror, sees what's wrong, turns around and walks away and forgets what he saw. That is that as we read the word of God, we determine what we need to do. And then we walk away and we don't apply it. We become the hearer of the word and not the doer of the word. I love that Revelation chapter one gives us a promise. Whoever hears and does the words of this prophecy will be blessed. A blessing in reading and doing you know, what's in the book of Revelation. I think that God might have put that in there just to encourage people to read it. Because that's one book that people say, I don't, read, I don't ever read the book of Revelation. Because I have no idea what's going on there. Another scripture is 1 Peter 1, 23 through 25. It says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So see here, Peter uses Jesus as the word of God who lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flowers of the grass, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached unto you. He's saying grass withers away, flowers wither away, the glory of man withers away, but God's word will last forever. We are reading something here that has come out of the supernatural and into our lives that has been preserved for us to be able to study and to put, uh, to put effort into. Another passage that tells us how amazing the Word of God is is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God, which came from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So Paul tells them, when we came to you with the word of God, you received it as it was, and it effectively works in you. It works in the hearts of those who believe. When we believe and we take a scripture like that and we bring it into our lives or any other passage that tells us what to do and we're obedient to that, it gets inside of us. Jesus compared the word of God to a seed and when planted on a good heart, produced 30, 60, and 100 fold, which is an amazing level. What an amazing promise from Jesus 
And what an amazing promise from Paul that God's Word works inside of you. Taking time to sit at the feet, taking time to learn from His Word, that we might be able to prosper. It's working inside of it. It's changing us. I don't know if you're like me, but there are things about myself I would like to change. The Bible says that our inner man is being, is being renewed day by day and our outer man is perishing. Here's what I think. My outer man is perishing faster than my inner man is being renewed. And sometimes, I'm just giving you guys just some honesty at this point. Sometimes I'm afraid to ask God to do it because God might go to extremes to make it happen in my life. And what I want when I pray is, Lord, can you make these changes in me? And could you do it an easy way? Could you do it a way that isn't really disruptive, you know? Because the Bible says that suffering in our life produces endurance, that God uses difficulties and hardships. So I want my, I want my inner man to be transformed. And God's Word in my life is a way that I am transformed. And it's every bit as important for someone like me who has been pastoring for 35 years to sit down and sit in the presence of God as it is for anyone to be able to look at the Word of God in a new and in a fresh way. Ephesians 6, 17, it's the armor of God passage. Tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're in a wrestling match. There's demonic powers that are working around us and we are wrestling with them. Principalities and powers and spiritual hosts in heavenly places. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not material, but they are mighty in God, it says. The helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, which puts out all of the fiery darts of the enemy. Wonder what kind of fiery darts he's shooting at you. The shield of faith, the feet prepared with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the boots of the gospel, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's our only offensive weapon, and we see how Jesus used it. We see that when he was tempted by the enemy, the enemy took him to the high pinnacle up on the temple and said, throw yourself off because it says that he will catch you and you won't dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said, but it is also written not to tempt the Lord your God. He came back with the scripture. He did it on every level. Bow down and worship me and I'll give you all these kingdoms and all of their glory. But it is written, thou shalt worship the God and him alone shall you serve away from me, Satan. The way we battle against him is to rightly interpret the word of God, is to rightly apply the word of God. When we feel temptation to know what the truth of scripture is, is so powerful for us to be able to battle against him. And we can find victory when we put on our armor and we stand and we use the word of God in that way. By the way, the temptation of Eve also was a battle over the word of God. God had told Adam, of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, you shall not eat or you will die. And so when Satan shows up, he says, has God said you can't eat of any of the trees in the garden? See, the first thing he did was change God's word and question it. He made it more severe. Be careful when you make God's word more severe. That's what Satan did. Did God say you can't eat of all these trees in the garden? She said, no, God said that we could eat of the trees of the garden, just not the one in the middle or we might die. Did you notice how she changed God's word? She didn't say freely. God said, of all the trees of the garden, you may freely eat. What a gracious gift of God. 
to make paradise, which is what the Bible calls the Garden of Eden, and to give them all of these trees that they can eat from, those, whatever fruits they were, all of them there. And then she leaves out the freely. And then when she gets to the dying part, she says that we might die. And then Satan comes back at her and says, you shall not surely die. See, Satan knew God's word. Like Satan quoted the word to Jesus, Satan knows God's word. And we need to be aware of the schemes of the enemy. And so we need to handle the word of God properly. We need to handle it rightly, not changing it, not twisting it, not making it fit our culture, not making it fit what we want it to say. Because, you know, I mean, we're in a very political season right now. And any event that happens, each side puts their own spin on it, right? There's spin that's put on it. That happens with the Word of God as well. We put a spin on it. Well, this is what it means. This might be what it says, but this is what it means. We want to take the Word of God as it is, properly handling it as a way for us to battle against the enemy and to fight against temptation. The final passage that I want to cover about the amazing Word of God is in Hebrews 4, 12. It says, For the Word of the Lord is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and spirits and joint and marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This tells us a little bit about how God's Word works inside of us. It discerns our intents. We might not even know why we do what we do, but God's Word gets in there and discerns it. And I want you to think about, you should, let me be an agenda setter, when he says this, he doesn't just say that God's Word is alive and active and gets inside of you and does all these things. But when you guys come into church and you sit down and you hear the Word of God unfolded before you, it's alive and active and it's getting into you. When you season your speech with Scripture, and trust me, I'm not saying that you start, you know, quoting Scripture everywhere you go. That everybody you're talking to, well, the Bible says, you know, and, and, and say it in King James. But I'm saying biblical truths. Just speaking the truth of what the Word of God says. Just biblical truths. And God's Word will get into people's lives. It's alive and active and it can get into people and it can do things. We have been entrusted with His Word and His Word is one of the ways that we share Christ with people around us. And God moves in such powerful ways incredible ways. No wonder Jesus said to Mary, to Martha, your sister Mary has chosen the best part, to set it his word. Oh, there's such blessings in being able to be used by God. And that's certainly true. And I would that you guys would, would all discover that, every one of you, would discover being used by him and what that means in a time, in a place, wherever God has you and what God has you doing. That's great. But also that we would not neglect the best part that we would find ourselves sitting at His feet and learning from His Word, that we would spend time with Him, learn from His Word. I believe that our lives will be, that the work that we do from Him then will be even more incredible. And if you're too busy, and if I can just talk to some of you who may be in ministry now, and, and I might even be talking to some of you guys that are on staff who are, are listening to this. I know we're getting some stuff in our children's ministry together, and I know a couple of our guys that are on the verge of being burnt out. And me and Troy told him this last week, maybe even a couple of weeks ago, listen, we understand. Let's get you some days off. It's important to be able to not take on too much. But what a tragedy when we take on so much. See, Martha didn't have to invite Jesus, and I'm going to take it, the disciples over. 
which that would have been a big task. When we have company over, I get involved in everything that's done. My wife kind of takes the lead, but I get involved in everything. And it's a, it's a big task to, you know, feed a lot of people. She chose that. And then she got upset about it. I wonder if that's ever the case in our lives. We choose it. We want to do it. Lord, give me that. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm overwhelmed. I can't take anymore. The cure for that is to make sure you leave enough time to spend at his feet and to learn from his word. And also enough time to take rest. Because remember, we were built for that. Jesus is our rest, but God gave him a, a day in the law to rest. No work on this day. Take some time off and take some time to rest. And do not neglect the better part of sitting at his feet and learning from his word. Stand with me, would you, and let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you as we've taken time to consider Mary and Martha and whether or not she was too busy for the Lord and how Mary wasn't, that we would examine our lives now, that we would consider where we are. But also, Lord, that Mary sat at your feet and learned your word, and your word is so incredible. We just barely began to cover how awesome your word is. May we be reminded from time to time about the way that we prosper, about being strong and courageous and fulfilling the word of God, doing everything that, is, that you have given us to do. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd like you to keep your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed for just a few minutes. I'd also like to ask that no one would leave early. We're almost done. We'll dismiss you here shortly. But if you're here tonight and you have never received Jesus, Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. It's kind of like a picture of us welcoming Jesus into our lives. God has given you a choice and you can receive him or you cannot. And if you don't want to receive him, then he will not come in. But if you say tonight, Lord, I want to receive you. I invite you in. The Bible says as many as receive him, he gives the power to become a child of God to those who believe in his name. When you believe him, when you believe what he did for you upon the cross, when you invite him in, there's a transformation that takes place. There, there's a deliberateness that needs to happen as well. You can't just enter into the kingdom of God by osmosis. Sometimes we don't, can't identify the deliberate part. But when you look back, if you've given your life to Christ, you know when that took place. You know when that happened. Sometimes it's in praying a prayer like I'm going to lead you guys in here in a moment. Sometimes it's a decision that you make and a point of faith that you make like the thief on the cross. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Simply asking him to remember him. And if you're here tonight and you used to walk with the Lord or you're listening on Reach Radio or on our live online campus and you used to walk with Christ, but something happened. Maybe immediately it was just different than you thought. So you drifted away or left. Maybe the cares and the worries of this world. Maybe you got distracted by something and it choked out the word of God in you and, and you just walked away. Or maybe you made a deliberate decision to walk away. Maybe you think you can't come back. Maybe you're listening to me right now going, I can't believe I've been church tonight. And he's saying this. I walked away from the Lord for a year and I became a prodigal and God came after me. Jesus said, I'll leave the 99 and I'll go after the one. And God didn't let me go. He could have so easily, but he stayed true to his word. And if you're here tonight and you want to return to him, you're a prodigal, he'll put a ring on your finger and a robe on your back 
kill the fatted calf. My son who was dead is now alive. God will welcome you back into the kingdom of God. If you're here today, you want to give your life to Christ for the very first time, or you want to come back to him, then I'm going to ask you to do something simple. I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. I want to make my way around the room. I want to acknowledge your hands, and I want to pray for you. God bless you, ma'am. That's great. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. I'd like everybody, including the individual who raised their hands. Oh, by the way, for those of you that are responding out on the live online campus, uh, you can respond too just by saying, I want the Lord in my life and pray this prayer with me. So I would like everyone who wants to invite Christ into their life, including those that raise their hand, to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I have sinned. And I know my sin has separated me from you. I also understand that I can be forgiven by the death of Jesus upon the cross. So I invite you into my life and I turn from my sin that I can live for you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. Or welcome back, whatever the case is, God knows. If you raised your hand and I didn't see it, that happens regularly, by the way, uh, then know that God saw your hand and God heard your prayer, and that's the important part, not me seeing it, but God seeing it. If you can't make it by the table, you can send us an email at saved at calvarytucson.com. We want to hear your story. We want to hear what God's done in your life, your testimony, what has happened, and how you committed your life to Christ. And we want to interact with you. We have people that answer those emails and talk to you about what you need to do now to make sure that you have a good start with the Lord. So if you uh, gave your life to Christ and you're on our online campus or you gave your life to Christ, you're listening on Reach Radio, then send us an email at saved at calvarytucson.com. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what God's doing. And we want to interact with you. Now, would you guys reach out your hand towards me? I want to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you for those that are here tonight. I want to thank you for those they are thinking of as we pray these things. Lord, I do pray for us that we would receive your word into our lives on a good heart. That if any of us need to get rid of the rocks or the weeds or, or the ground is hard like a path, that we would make our hearts ready and that we would produce 30, 60, and 100 fold for the kingdom of God. Thank you that you call us and that you use us, that you fill us with the Spirit and that we are the light of the world and the salt of the earth, and that we are a body with individual gifts and talents. Thank you. I pray, Lord, that we would not neglect sitting at your feet and learning from your word. I also pray for those that are struggling with an illness. Lord, touch and heal a disease, an injury, Lord, touch and heal now in the name of Jesus. I pray for those that are struggling in their marriages, in their homes, with their family, maybe with their children. Lord, we call out to you for the sake of our children, whatever they may be going through now. Lord, you know what it is. We pray that you would reach out, touch them, draw them, heal them. We pray for those that are depressed and oppressed. We pray for those that are struggling with difficulties, anxieties, panic attacks. Lord, that your peace would guard their hearts and minds as we ask you this with all thankfulness. Thank you for all that you do for us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, Calvary Tucson is open and holding physical services while being mindful of social distancing guidelines. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service online at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living Radio has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or have questions about salvation? Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson and Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living Sunday mornings at 8.30 on Kagan 9 TV. May we walk worthy while we wait for the return of our Savior. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.